What is up? What is going on, everybody? It is back to just two of us this week. Which two of us is it? Is it the red bearded bros? Is it just me and Brad? Find out on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Of Course I'm Right. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Ethan Klein. And as I said, it is down to just two of us, but this time it is back to just Brad and myself. Uh, life happens, and uh, we, we did lose Mike for this week, uh, but it is going to be Brad and myself trying to carry through uh, our special brand of entertainment. Brad, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Sorry to everyone out there that had their fingers crossed that it would be Mike <laughs> with with Ethan. Um, but unfortunately, you are stuck with me. Uh, no, no, I I, uh, I do not think that people were crossing their fingers one way or the other. I mean, the, the hope, right, is that when anyone finds out that it's not the three of us, regardless of what the combination is, there's just a quick little letdown. But then you know, we, we build up uh, their level of excitement just with how hard the two of us bring it to, to cover for the one that's missing. Well, I think that we each have, you know, and low lights that we bring to the show. I think uh, some of the feedback that you've gotten over the years is that you talk too much. Um, and uh, some people might say uh, they've used the word blowhard or clown or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I forget words half the time, and uh, half the time when I'm listening, I feel like I'm talking with a lisp, so um, sorry there. And I've, I've heard that Mike uh, is sometimes too intellectual, and his sound uh, levels in his microphone um, sometimes blow people's speakers, you know, with that bass that he's got in his voice. So, um, yeah, I think that there's always things to look forward to, but uh, I, I, I'm glad that we can see our weaknesses and move past them. I think of the weaknesses you just listed. Mine, mine sound the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a lispy guy that forgets his words <laughs> is definitely not uh, too appealing either. So um, no offense to anyone out there that, that, uh, that might have to talk that way, but uh, I definitely um, need to enunciate differently at well, Brad and I are going to do our best uh, to bring it here on this new episode of Of Course I'm Right. Uh, called a little bit of an audible, uh, a little pull back the curtain a bit here. Uh, we're coming up with a new topic tonight, um, because partly because of uh, missing Mike and just kind of the way things played out. So what we are going to do, we're going to do a very deep tie-in uh, to our other podcast, The Threequel, and we're going to give our uh, Mount Rushmore's of the films we've watched on the three quills. So um, if you're a fan of that show, this is just going to kind of be a uh, kind of little trip through our brief history um, in terms of that. And if you haven't made it over to the three uh maybe you can look at this as kind of a, a best hits list. What, what would you uh, look into uh, if you wanted to come be a listener of that show, but you didn't want to listen through the entire thing. Or uh, if you're just looking for uh, some quality movies to check out, uh, this would be it as well. So it's our Mount Rushmore's of films we have covered on that show. 
Um, I don't really think there's much more we have to explain about that. Brad, do you want to just dive into it? Yeah, but you are supposed to come up with a different verb this week than dive into. Oh. So uh, hit, hit me I with a different one for, first. Hold on. You said that I had to do that for the threequel. I mean, all, all together. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, come up with a different verb on the spot. Uh, we are going to jump off of the top of the building and aim for the bushes into this topic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, well done, and just make sure you uh, avoid Dirty Mike and the boys too. So we will do our best. So the way we do this, guys, set a topic, go our separate ways. Uh, we come back with our Mount Rushmore and four honorable mentions. So a list of eight. We'll go back and forth. We'll each reveal our eight, seven, our six, five, and then we'll give each member of the Mount Rushmore the individual respect that it deserves. If any one of us, if either one of us has something ranked higher. Then the other one, we will say punt and save the conversation for whoever enjoyed that movie more. So, Brad, why don't you kick us off? Or would you like me to? I'll let you decide. Um, how you no, I can I can go. That's fine. Right. Um, so I have 25 of our 29 movies ranked. We are 29 movies into uh, the threequel. And uh, I have not yet re- rewatched Signs or Collateral. I also uh, have never seen Garden State or Crazy Stupid Love. So those four movies um, uh, didn't make the list. I don't know when I'm done if any of them will, will land in the top eight. So this is always a, uh, a subject list. But this is where we are as of uh, August 17th listeners as this comes out uh tomorrow um so yeah we'll jump into that and also uh i guess a a little pull back the curtain too uh i did miss a uh of course i'm right where we ranked um romantic comedies but i sent you guys a list i don't even remember if crazy stupid love was on it um because uh to be completely honest that was a uh crowdsource list I polled other people and I got some responses for their top eight romantic comedies. And I heard that you guys teased me a little, uh, some of the top two or three choices. So, uh, I can't remember which ones you made fun of, but those were fans of our show that discussed with me, um, some romantic comedies and that's how that list was formed. So if crazy stupid love was on that and you just heard me say that I've never seen it, that would be why so um yeah any any thoughts on that particular one that i missed before i jump into my list uh on crazy stupid love no the uh the top eight romantic comedies because i heard you and mike you and mike had a pretty good laugh at my expense so i mean to be completely honest i do not remember laughing at any particular one i know i pulled it up here crazy stupid love is not on there um i think mike and i so bull durham was on there and i think mike and i both agreed that uh we would rank a couple other kevin costner sports films slightly higher but not to make fun of that uh obviously maybe yeah yeah 100 percent um you know obviously we all know my feelings about jerry Maguire. i didn't continue to take any more shots at that i think mike and i both agreed that love actually just kind of came and went for us but not that I, I mean i don't particularly remember uh having a 
boisterous laugh uh, over anything on the list. I think I did. It was interesting. Something's got to give was on that list that you sent. And it mm-hmm. was interesting that that was on there. And two of my top three choices were a different Nancy Myers romantic comedy and a different Jack Nicholson romantic comedy. So I kind of, we met in the middle there, but by just different ways uh, to get to that. So that was interesting, but I, I mean, I've never seen something's got to give, so it was not going to be on my list. Well, fair enough. I, uh, yeah, I'll have to go back and re-listen to that episode to see, uh, just how much fun you poked at me, but, uh, neither here nor there. That sometimes happens when you have to miss an episode. I'm sure we'll make fun of Mike a little bit tonight. Uh, because the, I know the movie I have at 24 V for Vendetta, um, is way up his list, which would be in the, the top, I think probably on his Mount Rushmore, um, if he were here tonight. So, uh, I would definitely have some nits to pick with that. Um, but Hey, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So, uh, saying that we'll just jump right in. Um, we're going to do eight, seven. Is that, uh, we're going to talk about both of those this time. Yes, sir. We're going to do it. Yep. All right. So, uh, my number eight and, uh, I will say this, there are several movies on this list that I thought, uh, um, would be higher, you know, like I obviously being 40 now, I watched some of the, you know, when I, some of these, when I was 10, 15, 20, you know, they, they mean different things at different times. And, um, I'm kind of surprised at how this list is shaking out. Um, you know, things like Gladiator being so far down the list, um, Primal Fear, um, you know, even like White Men Can't Jump and in, in different ones. And I uh, completely forgot how bad Bad Boys is um, until we, we, we rewatched it. So, um, yeah, it's just it's neat to see how this shakes out. But uh, coming in at number eight for me is Old School. Um we have a couple of comedies in my top eight, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those for me that is just for a comedy to be there. It's got to be rewatchable. It's got to um, uh, stand the test of time a little bit as far as like um, it's got, it's got to hold up. You know, there were a few things we talked about in uh, uh, old school that uh, didn't, um, didn't hold up with some of the words that they chose to describe other people. Um and yeah, there's just a few things like that that made it less fun for me. But as far as uh, well-written comedies, things that are still laughable, quotable, um, things that, uh, you know, not only take you back to where you watched it the first time, but still hold up as entertaining today um, is why old school um came in at number eight for me and number seven is the one that we're going to be talking about this week on the threequel and that is uh the other guys that'll Uh, be a slight punt so we will talk about it okay well i'll hold off till i will hold off till you're ready to discuss that and i'll give my thoughts on the other guys at that point all right so uh my number eight then is the movie uh that we've kind of referenced a couple times already it is crazy stupid love uh, for me, so I won't spend too much time on this. Talked about it on a couple different podcasts, but it was my number one romantic comedy uh, when we listed that out. Um, actually, uh, was it? It was my one or my two. I, I truly don't remember, but much, much love for that movie. And if you want to hear all of my thoughts on that and uh, how much, how big of a fan I am of that, go check out that episode of the threequel where Mike and I talked about uh, crazy, stupid love. And then my number seven uh, is Batman Begins. 
Um, so for me, it's just, it, it did fall a little bit down. It has started to like, if I would have just ranked it initially at one point, um, this, and then another Batman film, I won't say the name, maybe you can guess it. Um, but we're much higher up on the list, but the more I thought about it, putting those two films next to each other, it does start to kind of take away from Batman begins just in terms of simply ranking it because of just how much better I think maybe that other film is. So uh, for me, great origin story. One of the better superhero origin stories of all time, in my opinion, uh, we talked about how much I love the villains in that film that I think make it um, Cillian Murphy, Liam Neeson, uh, even Tom Wilkinson uh, for the few scenes that he is in and really just establishing Christian Bale as um kind of what we talked about as the complete Batman package, just a great balance of both Bruce Wayne and of Batman. So huge fan of that. So crazy, stupid love and Batman begins my eight and seven. All right. No punts there. Uh, neither one of those made my list. Well, I haven't seen crazy, stupid love and Batman begins came in at 12 for me. Um, so my six is inside man. Will that be a punt or should I discuss that? Uh, you can discuss that one did not make it. All right. Uh, Inside Man, obviously a uh, man. I I think we talked about this. I don't know if you call that a Clive Owen film or a Denzel Washington film, but uh, I think for me, Denzel is the first person that comes to mind as the star of that. Uh, But yeah, great, great film there. Uh, Clive Owen being the gosh, I don't even know that you could call him the the bad guy, you know, because he's he's doing bad things but he, he's doing them in the most uh good, humane way that you can um while he's trying to uh shine light on the bad things that others have done so um but yeah i i think that you know he's, he's definitely not the hero uh because you know there's probably better ways to do what he's trying to do and accomplish that um uh, you know in another uh, I don't know, healthier, safer ways, I, I guess I, I should say. But uh, yeah, great twist on a bank heist movie. Um, lots of uh, lots of things there that uh, that make you think. And uh, we talked about a few little elements of that film that uh, definitely make it uh, a Spike Lee film. Um, and yeah, just really great overall. Uh, so n- number six for me, Inside Man. And my number five uh, is our uh, baseball film, uh, Major League. And uh, uh, I guess I'll kind of jump into that since I'm not hearing punt from you. Um, One of those films, when I first watched it or when I first turned it back on um, a few months ago when we were reviewing it for the show, I just remember this like pure joy coming over me. the opening there's some opening songs there as they they show scenes from the city of cleveland and you get the you know it's going to be comedy you know it's going to be enjoyable but you also get the baseball you get the you know the spring weather there um and i just remember thinking like wow this is just a perfect movie and for what it is it's almost perfectly done um we talked about how um in that film uh, I don't like where they take the love story, um, Tom Berenger and Renee Russo, but uh, you know sometimes you got to have that in there to appeal to different audiences or to show you know some of the the real life of these athletes behind 
um, behind the sport. So I understand why it's in there. Just for me, it made it a little less enjoyable. So I I won't call it a perfect film because there are some things I would take out of that. But uh, uh, for me, Major League came in at number five. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's for what we've done on the show. Obviously, we talked about all of us just out and out hated our experience with bad boys. Um, The kind of that 20 and below range are there's some mixed emotions that I have about some of those movies. But for the most part, everything we've done on the show, I'm a massive fan of. And when it comes down to splitting the hairs between, you know, eight and 12, uh, it, it just becomes really, really hard. Um, so both of those movies that you talked about, both movies I love, just, you know, however I ranked them or whatever I felt with the experience of the rewatch. Um, and I don't I mean, like my list, when I rank kind of the rewatch, I mean, maybe I'll get into this in a little bit, but I'm not ranking, I think, necessarily this movie is better than this movie. For me, when we rank the films on the threequel, it's just the sheer enjoyment I got on the rewatch. Is that how you rank them? Or are you kind of sticking strictly to this is the better movie? I'm ranking this higher. Uh, no, I'm not looking at necessarily the quality of it. It's more in- enjoyment, what it means to me. Um, yep. rewatchability. Um, yeah, just kind of how, how it makes me feel about the film. Not necessarily, uh, you know, Primal Fear would be ranked much higher if I'm just ranking it purely on and, and that's how well example. it's done. You know, so yeah, that that's kind of how I fall on that. Yep. That's a yeah, that's a great example. I completely agree with that. So um my number six then is going to be minority report. Um this one for me just kind of like we were saying, you know. Um what does the movie mean to us? Where's that? And it's just, it's one of these things that every time I've rewatched that movie, I have found just a little bit more enjoyment. Whereas, I mean, both Brad and I agree. And um, Mike, I think kind of went into gladiator with uh, kind of feeling not, not the same that you and I have um, about that movie in the past. Um, But just that, that time that we rewatched gladiator for the threequel um, kind of took away some of my love for that movie. Um, as we talked about, whereas something as Minority Report, every time I watch it, I find a few more things to enjoy. Colin Farrell's performance is fantastic. I think Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise's performance is uh, very, very good as well. Everyone in it just does their job perfectly. And Steven Spielberg, the legend himself, and this is a movie that kind of what we talked about, not necessarily the most palatable movie, not that it like blew the doors off the box office, but one that has had staying power for me. So that's my number six. And then my number five, um, gosh, I think Mike's going to be upset with me when he listens to this episode, but that's where the rock is going to fall for me. Um, and just like I said, in terms of sheer enjoyment, I, I just have a smile on my face that the entire time of that movie, um, the humor hits. I love watching Nick Cage do his thing. I'm a huge Sean Connery fan. We've talked about how Ed Harris just kills it in a movie that has no business being serious in any way. He delivers what I truly honestly believe is an Academy Award level performance. Obviously, an actor in a Michael Bay film is never even going to get looked at that way. But I think he is amazing in that movie. Um, And and I do love it. And uh, 
probably the best complete film that Michael Bay uh, has done in it. 13 hours. I really do love 13 hours, but the rock is certainly the most popular one. So uh, that comes in at my number five. Yeah. I, I would have liked that other one more if it was more like 12 and a half hours, but uh, yeah, I'll settle for, I'll settle for 13. Um, if Mike's going to kill you for putting it at five, uh, he's really going to hate that I have it at 18. Then, um, and that right behind primal fear that we just talked about. Um, but yeah, I know that that does not mean as much to me as it does you guys. And you know, there's going to be movies like that for us. So um, yeah, you know, as, as we, watch others coming up here in the coming months. Like it, it's just really neat to see where they land and how they, um, you know, hit us each differently on these lists. So Mount Rushmore time. Um, my guess is only, we probably only have one, um, movie together in the Mount Rushmore, but we'll see where this shakes out. Uh, for me, number four is mud. Uh, and, uh, were you going to say something? No, I mean, again, oh, kind of what we've been saying, just one of those ones that I love and just for me just doesn't make it up there. But go ahead, because I know we both love this movie. Yeah, this one surprised me, Um, uh, you know, to kind of let the fans know uh, my pick for that month was the movie Election. Uh, We had a discussion on uh, how appealing that would be to the audience and you being the executive producer of the show made the executive decision to ax election um, and me some options and I went with mud. So uh, we did that and I was pleasantly surprised. I had seen it before, but uh, couldn't remember it all that well. Um, Rewatched it and just loved it. I think part of what really stands out to me is uh I just love that lifestyle, um, kind of jealous of that lifestyle, living in that slow down sort of uh, redneck pace of uh, the, the river life there, um, being able to be out in the sunshine, being on the water, um, you know, just different kind of lifestyle. And in a lot of ways, that's very appealing to me. Um, I find that uh, um, I here's another example of not being able to find a word that I'm looking for, but, uh, I just, you know, it, it hits, hits my sensibilities as far as like, uh, what kind of life I might choose if I could just kind of like handpick different things and, um, laid back life on the river, um, definitely, uh, has its appeals. But at the same time, this movie does a nice thing of showing about some of those fears. Like when you live out in the, in the boondocks, uh, in a life like that, it it can become a little bit lawless and there can be some things going on around you that, uh, are, are definitely unsafe. And, you know, that's one of those fears that you have there about, um, um, you know, different things that could happen. I always, you know, wonder about those, how safe some of those houses are when you've got people that could just come up there at any time and, and you see some of the characters that you'd come across. But, um, Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, ends up here chasing the, who he thinks is the love of his life. And, um, he's going to chase her to the ends of the ends of the earth. And they end up here and it, it kind of rocks this little town. And, um, the 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 boys uh help me remember their names i can't uh um uh it's ellis and 
I'm drawing a blank you're, on the other one. You're so good at this. I don't know how you just pulled Ellis out of your butt, but um, and maybe it's I should rephrase that. Bone. There was, yeah, neck bone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just watching their adventures of of trying to help this out and the naivety that they bring to this. Um, and it, you know, it's just like I said, it's charming. It's it's it. So has you know some of the action, some of the things that you look for in that type of film, um, but yeah, just it, it just hit all of the the check boxes for me, um, and uh, yeah, Mud comes in at number four. Yeah, um, it is. I was looking. Um, I mean, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I, I get pretty emotional uh, during movies or TV shows if they're done well. Uh, but of all of the films. Uh, that we've done on the threequel mud is the only one that uh, has made me cry. So uh, it is definitely a, a well done film that, that uh, goes after you if, uh, if you're not prepared for it. So that's the only one of the 29 that has made you cry. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, it's not that, I mean, we haven't necessarily done, we've, we've done, you know, our fair share of comedy and a lot of action, um, I mean, I think Mud is definitely the most just purely dramatic film that we've done, uh, for sure. And just mm-hmm. that scene, the scene where Ellis uh, confronts Mud right before he gets bit by the snakes, man. That I mean, it always has. That scene just gets me every time. I can't handle it. Um, yep. <clears throat> but moving on to my Mount Rushmore, uh, at number four, we are going to get uh, the punt from earlier and the film that we are doing on Thursday. Uh, for the threequel, and that is the other guys. Um, man, this—I I was really excited. This was Brad's pick for the month, um, and I was super excited when you went that way, Brad. Um, I had already kind of lined up my pick for the month and what I thought uh, might appeal to just both of you guys, and then you picking that. Obviously, I was on board with it, but. This is, I don't know if it's my all-time favorite comedy, but certainly if we do that list, it's in the Mount Rushmore and it's fighting uh, for my favorite comedy of all time. This movie just kills me. I'm just constantly laughing through and through it. And I mean, I'll save the deepest parts of our discussion, obviously, for Thursday, but um, it it, it is something special when you can rewatch a movie that like for me, I can quote this entire thing and it still gets that like deep guttural laugh out of me, even knowing every beat that's about to happen. And I think that is a special blend of, you know, on-screen chemistry, uh, the written script, obviously knowing Will Ferrell, you know, how much of this was scripted, who knows? Uh, But there's just a lot of good work going on, everybody in it. And even, you know, 11 years later, this movie still kills me. Yeah, um, obviously I enjoyed it too. Uh, it came in at number seven for me. Um, I actually had it initially ranked higher. I think it came in, uh, I want to say five, I believe. Um, and then I ended up uh, kind of analyzing and putting uh, Major League and Inside Man uh, back up above the other guys. But but yeah, the, the things that appeal to me in this are just the, the things that they say. Like the... It's just stuff like, you know, I'm a peacock. I need to fly. And, um, you know, the things that, uh, oh gosh, Mark Wahlberg 
comes up with when he's getting angry. You just see this slow yeah. build in the in the the stuff that he says. But then one of my favorite scenes in the film when uh, he comes back in and he says, you know, I, I don't want to say this behind your back, so I'm going to say it to your face. But then Will Ferrell <laughs> flips it on him, and oh, yeah. you know how they they build this whole he builds this whole scene of how he just beat him at his own game and you know he didn't expect that coming did you you know that sort of thing but the the part about it is like there's two sides to each character mark Wahlberg is the badass but then when push comes to shove he's the sensitive one and then will ferrell plays the sensitive quiet one but when push comes to shove he's really the badass and it's just really neat to see how that plays out um and you know the whole other part with the rock and Samuel and um, is, is hilarious. Uh, you've got the, the, the part with the car and, you know, dirty Mike and the boys and the, one of the, the funny scenes that, that just kills me is the, the, the whisper fighting um, oh, at yeah. the funeral and, you know, with Michael Keaton yelling at the guys while he's whispering. And then, you know, he works at bed, bath and beyond. Like there's just this whole, other there's layers to each character except for the other four cops that are the stars you know the they're just the the meathead cops that you come to expect in in some of these uh uh with weigh-ins and regal and um samuel jackson and the rock they're just straightforward but just about everybody else has layers to the character and it's just really really well done but the one-liners the um even when I, some of the things he says when that building blows up is just hilarious. And you know that, that those things aren't written. They probably just say, well, Farrell just say crazy stuff, you know? Uh, and, and they, they record it and then just probably save the best ones, but just hilarious. Um, yeah, it, it really, really is a great movie. Um, it's not my, uh, favorite comedy of all time because, you know, I do have a, at least one other one ranked higher, which we're about to talk about, but it's, it's definitely up there with um, the one we're going to talk about. And also like, you know, stepbrothers um, and, and a few others that come to mind, but uh, yeah, great film with you for sure. All right. So um, that takes us into your number three, Brad. Yeah. And I just rambled a lot there. I'm sure I just get tired of hearing my voice. I'll try to keep this one a little shorter, but uh, my number three is the hangover. Um, uh, I guess, you know, I, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this because, you know, this was such a popular film and probably anybody that's listening to this podcast right now has already seen it. Um, do yourself a favor and rewatch it. Um, also, um, look at it through the debate that we had about, is this a, is this a Bradley Cooper film? Did he steal the show or is this Zach Galifianakis? Because, um, we, we had a good talk about that and I've had a few people talk to me since then and say, Hey, you know, I, I used to be on the side that, that Bradley Cooper was the star of this, but, uh, um, uh, after kind of rewatching it and seeing some of the scenes that they've come to my side about it being a Zach Galifianakis film. And, and if you just need to watch, if you could just watch one scene, if you don't have time to sit and watch the whole thing, um, watch the scene where they're reviewing the, the, the cameras at Mike Tyson's house and Zach Galifianakis peeing in the, in the fountain. And the whole reaction to that is just priceless. That's um, that just gets me every time. Uh, when you talk about crying in a film, 
um, that one brought me to tears from just pure laughter. So, um, yeah, number three for me is the hangover. Yeah, that was, uh, one of my favorite episodes we've recorded, just how much we got each other going, uh, because of how funny that movie is. So, uh, great choice there. My number three is one that, uh, Mike and I introduced to Brad, uh, that Brad, there's no secret here. Brad was not looking forward to watching this movie. Um, and I don't think it's going to be in your top eight, but I do know that you did end up enjoying your experience with it. That is 2009's Star Trek, uh, the reboot, the reboot that JJ Abrams did. Um, and I knew going into this, how much I enjoyed this movie, but this kind of like minority report, it's just one of those ones that every time I watch it, I find new love for it. I would not say that I am a Star Trek fan. Uh, in any way in terms of like the broad scope of the Star Trek universe. Uh, but these movies I am a big fan of, and especially this first one. I mean, Chris Pine stepping into such an iconic role and, you know, avoiding the temptation to just kind of impersonate uh, William Shatner, but, you know, make it his own. He has those things that you know who he is, but he really creates it his own. And uh, to do that, with a character that is so well loved, so well known, I think is such an impressive feat for someone who was not, I mean, Chris Pine at that time uh, was not this big A-list guy. This is really what put him on the map. Um, So, you know, hats off to him, hats off to JJ Abrams and just the action in this movie kicks in. It is fantastic. It is so beautifully shot. And uh, the story that they tell um, I'm on board beginning to end. Um, so Star Trek, my number three. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised watching that, uh, came in at number nine on my list. Um, and that we've done recently have bumped it down. Uh, so it was above that for a little while and, um, yeah, just really, really well done. I, I went into it thinking I was going to hate it and you guys proved me wrong. So good choice there. Um, all right. So we're at number two. Uh, for me, that's Mad Max Fury Road. Um, it is uh, one of those that uh, I think I appreciate more and more with time. It's just the way the way it's done, the cinematography. Um, it's just different than anything else I've seen. Um, I, I find it entertaining. It's it's one that I, I can't watch it more than about once every other year or so because it's just not uh, it's not an easy watch. Um, it can it can be very um, heavy, um, a lot of uh, tough tough things in there that you have to kind of dissect through the action, but uh, I, I love it every time I see it. But mostly for the the difference that you know, not seeing anything in the cin- cinematography, the music, the just an epic epic film um, is really why it it comes in at number two for me. So um, I know you enjoy it. I know it's also not in your top eight, but uh, where did that land for you? Uh, it's sitting at 10 for me. Um, and again, that just comes down to enjoyment, rewatchability, things like that. Like you said, not one that I can keep rewatching, but one that I appreciate just the greatness of the film uh, as a whole. So, I mean, no knock on it uh, in terms of quality, just where it ends up in my ranking uh, for me, it drops down a bit, but I, I do have a, a, a great appreciation and love for that film. So um, my number two then flipping it over is the movie uh, that 
we did was this last week it's all kind of blending together for you no it would have been a couple weeks ago last week was signs so it was not last week so it was a couple weeks ago it was collateral um i i mean this movie for me making it all the way up to number two um would have seemed crazy because i i do love it but the idea that it could top so many other things that we've done does seem a little wild but um it it just did because this movie is absolutely fantastic um mike and i both agreed after rewatching it that we think it is the best performance of tom cruise's career because he goes off brand and is uh a villain he is still, you know, cool, calm, collected Tom Cruise. He still has that Tom Cruise swagger, but he does tone down kind of the, the craziness uh, quite a bit and just focus in on being, you know, this professional, very focused killer. Um, you know, I, I said that I thought it was just a very underappreciated movie in terms of, you know, it should have been nominated for way more nominated, rightfully so. But uh, what makes that movie great is the both of them, not just him and not just Tom Cruise. You know, you spend probably 75% of that movie in a taxi cab with the two of them just having conversation. Um, and, it, and it takes a lot of skill to make that an entertaining film. There, There is a lot that happens in between those moments, but those are the moments that carry through uh, the entire film. And, you know, just going all the way down to that final confrontation between the two of them, like I said, uh, on that episode of the threequel, they make it very believable how that movie wraps up. It, it, at no point do I kind of roll my eyes and go, well, that couldn't have happened. When you watch the entire thing and if you understand kind of the point of what they're saying through these conversations, you do accept how that movie wraps up as, as really a perfect ending uh, for the story. So uh, it all the way up at my number two there, Collateral. Yeah, I'm interested to see where that will fall after I uh, get a chance to rewatch it. Um, so I will let you uh, I'll let you know that um, obviously as I submit the list for the show, you'll see that. But uh, I'm excited to rewatch that one. So I believe we probably have the same number one. Um, I think we so, have. So uh, I will uh, kind of step aside and let you talk about this, because overall, I know the movie means more to you Um for me, it was more just like, well, now that I've watched it, there's no way I can't rank it number one. It's just uh, overall that good. So um, obviously it is The Dark Knight. So Ethan, why don't you tell the fans why this movie is number one? Yeah, I mean, we, we've said the phrase on the show before. We've kind of alluded to this, you know, is there a perfect movie? There is no perfect movie, right? You can nitpick anything. And there's even things and we did it on the episode just to kind of have a broader conversation, you can nitpick things on the dark night, but in terms of what a movie means to me, this is as close as something can get to objectively perfect in my opinion. And I think what was really great about this experience for me on this rewatch, um, you know, we talk about if you rewatch a movie, you see new things. I've seen the dark night enough that it's very rare that I see something new, but I did get to experience something new in, um, you know, my girlfriend watching it with me and it was her first time ever seeing it. And there's always just get there's always that little like worry when you love at least for me when I love a movie so much and I I get the chance to introduce it to someone kind of always like looking out of the corner of my eye like are are they into this is this person getting it whoever it may be 
Uh, and it, it was really a treat to watch her um, who, I mean, she's a fan of superhero movies, you know, the Marvel movies, but kind of wondered like, what would this darker take mean to someone like that? But to, to watch her appreciate it and even, you know, for her to even be like, Oh my gosh, like Heath Ledger, I didn't know that Heath Ledger could do this. You know, she knows Heath Ledger from uh, 10 things I hate about you and a Knight's tale and kind of the, the goofy, funny Heath Ledger. She doesn't know dark, scary, brooding, the Joker Heath Ledger. So to kind of go through that experience and just see someone see that for the first time took me back to my first time seeing it. So um, more times than not, if we're listing something and the Dark Knight qualifies, it's going to be number one uh, aside from if I'm just doing my personal top 10 list where it's, you know, my third favorite movie of all time. But uh, it's up there for me. And, you know, I know, Brad, that you and Mike both, it, it was, it's still Mike's number one as well. So it is the show's collective number one uh, because it is just such a great film. Yeah, that's why I stepped aside and let you describe that there. I uh, could not have said anything better, um, especially since I did not want to rank it that high. It just completely earned it in, in my book. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to take something very special to knock it off its perch. Yes, it would. And we will see, you know, will we get to that point uh, someday on the threequel? Uh, that we find something that does uh, take that spot. Like I said, there'd only be two movies that we could do uh, that would have that chance for me. But uh, we'll see as the show goes on. If you are interested uh, in hearing us talk a little bit more about a film we kind of alluded to tonight, and that is The Other Guys. That is our episode this Thursday on the threequel. So be sure to check that out. We hope you guys enjoyed kind of our, our trip down memory lane of that show here on, of course I'm right. That again, will be just Brad and I, and we hope next week it will be the full crew, but be sure to tune back in next Tuesday for, of course I'm right. Uh, regardless of who it is, we will be bringing you uh, the same brand of what we hope to call entertainment. And unless you're strong bow or Pappy drew, and you just prefer to listen just to, just to make fun of us. Whatever it is, as long as you're listening, I really don't care. And I don't think the other guys do either. So uh, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan. We'll see you next time.